Well, this morning I want to share with you the story of the resurrection. And uh, if you have your Bibles, Luke 24, 1 to 12, uh, that's where you'll find that. If you don't have a Bible, uh, we do have some New Testaments that we'd love to give to you if uh, you don't happen to have a Bible. We're going to be reading from the uh, New Living Translation, uh, just an easier translation to read. And uh, that's what you'll see here on the screen as well if you want to follow along there or in your Bibles or on your phone Bibles, whichever one you have to be using today. Luke 24, verses 1 to 12, talking about the resurrection story. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they'd prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in. But they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. And then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee that the Son of Man must be betrayed in the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day? Then they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell the 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. And then he went home again, wondering what had happened. May the Lord add his blessing uh, to his word this morning. Well, this morning is Resurrection Sunday, the day that we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as he rose from the grave. And it's a day that's central to our faith. It's a true event It's recorded in the Bible, it's recorded in history, and there's over 500 personal witnesses and billions of people who continue to experience the resurrected Christ in their life today, as well as all of us that have experienced Christ in our life. And so it's certainly a day worthy of our celebration and worthy of our praise. And this weekend, we also celebrated Good Friday, which reminds us of the death of Christ. And That day, sometimes we don't necessarily feel the same to celebrate it like we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, but Good Friday, it reminds us of the death of Jesus. It reminds us of the cruel cross that he had to bear for us and reminds us how serious sin really was, that it took the death of our Savior. So sometimes we don't feel the same about Good Friday as well as what we feel on Resurrection Sunday. A little cartoon, I I don't know if that'll pop up there. Uh, It was by Johnny Hart. Uh, It catches the sentiment. You might have saw it there on Facebook. Probably too small for you to read. I'll just kind of quickly tell you what it uh, reads. One of them is saying, I hate the term Good Friday. So which the other character says, why? And the first character says, well, my Lord was hanged on a tree that day. That's why he didn't like the term Good Friday. So the second character replies, if you were going to be hanged on a tree that day and he volunteered to take your place, how would you feel? 
Or his character says, good. Kind of that's the end of the statement, isn't it? Have a nice day. Thankful that the Lord has taken our place. And it may not feel like a good day when you think of Good Friday, but when you think that Jesus did it for you, took your place, that's a good day. Amen? Amen. Praise his name. So Good Friday, it's a good day as Jesus took our place and paid our debt of sin on the cross. And that's worthy of our celebration as well. And we're going to be celebrating both the death and resurrection of Christ here shortly as we have communion uh, together. But uh, it's all important. But back to the resurrection and celebrating that important fact. Uh, this passage from Luke describes the scene quite well and how people responded to the resurrection. And it's kind of interesting as you read the response that you kind of realize that a lot of people were surprised. They didn't really have the faith that we probably thought they should have had at that time. But Jesus still rose. He rose from the grave. He is alive, and he is our living Savior. It's an important part of our faith, a uh, central part of our faith. And the Apostle Paul really makes that plain when he tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 just how important that resurrection is. And uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 14, just to read a few verses from that, says, if Christ had not been raised, then all of our preaching is useless, and your faith is useless. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless, and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. And so that's the story of the resurrection. It's very important. If we didn't have the resurrection, then really we wouldn't have any viable faith. It's a wonderful thing to think that God loved us so much that he would send Jesus, that he would die for us, that we may not perish in hell, but have eternal life. And he proved that he was a son of God by being that perfect sacrificial lamb who knew no sin and, he, and, uh, and was a substitute for us to die in our place. And to further prove who he said he was, he rose from the grave giving us the assurance that one day we too will rise from the grave to spend an eternity in heaven. There's no other savior, no other God, no other religious leader did that, which really kind of points us back to the truth that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Now, the Easter weekend celebrates the history of our world, that a savior has come. Jesus Christ is that Savior who paid that price for our sin, which was death, and then rose victoriously out of the grave, proving that he had power over life and death. And that's something we all indeed need to be thankful for. And as you start to read the stories of the resurrection through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, uh, it's a rather interesting story. It's a rather interesting to, to look at all the eyewitnesses uh, that saw this true event take place and to listen to their response. Some of the responses we kind of look at and we're kind of amazed at, and then other responses we see that we say, if I was there, maybe I would be the same. Well, we're going to start out, first of all, by as we look at this resurrection story of the testimony of 
of the women. And there was a number of women that went to uh, the tomb. It doesn't really tell us how many actually went there, but it does say that there was many of them that did go. Luke's account refers to Mary Magdalene, the main character of the story, Joanna, Mary, the mother James, and he says several other women. So lots of women were there to testify that Jesus rose from the grave. We're just going to read those first seven verses again that we read. But early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, Luke 24, 1 to 7, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. And they stood there puzzled. Two men suddenly appeared to them clothed and dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. And the men asked them, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Remember what Jesus told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed in the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and they would rise again on the third day. Here's that story of the women who are the first to go to the tomb. Uh, in some ways, you kind of look at that and say, where were the men? Why weren't the men going? But first of all, blessed be the ladies. The ladies went first. But as they're going to the tomb, kind of interesting, they weren't going to the tomb to see if Jesus had risen from the dead. They were going to the tomb with burial spices to further prepare his body. And, and so kind of interesting that you would think they all would have been going there to expect Jesus to rise from the dead. But instead, they're actually going with burial spices, thinking he's still dead. He's not alive. So it's kind of a surprise when you start to look at it that way, expecting Jesus to be still in the grave. They heard all the messages about by Jesus that he would rise again, but their faith wasn't quite there. Interesting when you think about the faith at that time, the religious leaders, the ones who did not believe in Jesus, actually believed what he said when Jesus said, I'm going to rise again in three days. They remembered that. So the very people that didn't accept Jesus, killed Jesus, they were worried that Jesus was going to rise again. And so they made sure that the, 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 the stone got sealed and they put an armed guard there to protect uh, the, the grave site that no one could ever enter in. And basically, uh, the cost would have been your life. For those guards, they should have all been executed, but they weren't. But that's what should have happened. And so for these women, as they come, uh, again, they're looking to see that, you know, we're just going to put further spices on Jesus. They're still in that process of grief. They're still in that process of, of sorrow. They're, they're still in that process of trauma, that they experienced when Jesus died on the cross. And you got to kind of remember that because when you go through things of trauma in your life, you sometimes don't always see clearly the picture that is in front of you. And, and so you got to give these ladies some grace that, you know, here they are, they're coming to do further burial things. They've just gone through tremendous trauma. To watch anyone being crucified is trauma enough. And, and so for all the things that have happened on that weekend for these ladies, uh, there were in a lot of shock and trauma, grief that was dominating uh, their minds. And uh, 
That, that can really get a hold of somebody, even ourselves today, as we go through some of the hardships in our own lives. Sometimes, you know, we can miss things that are right in front of us. Well, anyway, once at the tomb, they see they're greatly surprised that the seal was broken because that would take some work to do that. And the stone was rolled away. And those stones are not little stones. Those are big stones. And it's not like a single person can move a stone. They're very big stones. And they're very puzzled by all that. And they're wondering, like, what is going on? And even as they look around, there's not even any guards. The guards are gone as well. And so they go inside the tomb, prepared to add those spices to Jesus' body, and they find there is no body. There is no body to anoint with more spices. The body is gone. And the Bible kind of talks about there's, they're, they're kind of confused at this point. You know, they're very troubled at this point. And then suddenly, two angels appear before them, and they reach that state where the Bible says they're now terrified. And again, you got to remember, there's a lot to take in here to be at the actual crucifixion of Christ, to go through all of that emotion, and then all of a sudden, where's the body? And then there's angels appearing. I'm sure if we had some angels that appeared here today and we all could see them, I bet you we'd be a little bit on the terrified side as well. But anyway, that's what happened for them. But I love the message that the angels gave these ladies. And it says in verses 5 and 6, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. You know, and that's something we really need to acknowledge here today is uh, don't be looking to someone who's dead for faith. Don't be looking to someone who is dead or not alive that you're going to put your hope in them and you're going to put your hope in, in, in eternity for people who are dead. Why would you do that? You want to put your faith and your hope in someone who is alive. And Jesus is alive. And I, I believe that message of those angels is, is still a message for us to hear today. Don't be looking among the dead for someone when someone is alive that you can put your faith in. And that is Jesus Christ. And, and that's something that we, you know, we really need to acknowledge today in our search for faith to be you know, looking to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is a risen Savior, who is a risen Lord. Now, the angels, they stated to the women that Jesus was alive, that he'd risen from the dead, just as he said he would. And so they reminded Jesus of the, uh, these women of the words of Jesus as Jesus spoke to them in times past and about the times when Jesus says, look, I'm going to rise from the dead. And a lot of them just didn't understand that language. They just didn't understand how is that possible. They didn't really think that could take place, but it did take place. And the women, they finally understand and their doubts and fears, their anxieties uh, begin to change to excitement and joy. And it tells us that they ran to the other disciples with the good news that Jesus was alive. And if you follow the story of the women throughout the Gospels in the Bible, you will find that after Peter and John went to visit the tomb and witness the empty tomb, that Mary Magdalene obviously lingered at that tomb and that she does see Jesus. Suddenly Jesus appears to her, calling her by name, and she couldn't believe her eyes, and she hugs Jesus and holds on to Jesus, and so much so that Jesus said, okay, it's enough. You can't keep hanging on to me. And, and he tells her, listen, you need to go back and tell the disciples 
But not only have I risen from the tomb, I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm here. See, Jesus could have easily just rose from the grave, ascended to heaven. No one ever seen him, but he still would have fulfilled what he said he would do. But Jesus wanted to make sure that we all knew there would be enough witnesses out there to realize I'm alive. I'm not some dead Savior. I'm a Savior who is alive. And John chapter 20, verse 18 says, uh, Mary Magdalene, she found the disciples and told them, I have seen, now I've seen the Lord. So things are changing. It's no longer now an empty tomb that is testifying that Jesus is alive. Jesus himself is appearing to people and showing them that he is alive. And so the women, they present the evidence that there's an empty tomb. There was an angelic appearance stating Jesus was alive. And now Jesus himself has been seen by them. And so this testimony that women, as they go back uh, to the disciples, uh, was a great message, a wonderful message. Jesus is alive. You can touch him. You can feel him. You can hug him. He is real. He's not a ghost. He is real. It's a true, true story. And so that's the first witnesses uh, of the resurrection story uh, that gives evidence that Jesus is alive. And then comes the testimony of the disciples of the resurrection, again, proving that it was all true. Now, again, the disciples should have been the first ones at the tomb. Matter of fact, they should have stayed at the tomb. Thinking of those words that Jesus says, I'm going to rise from the grave. You would have thought they would have stuck around, but instead they went and they hid behind locked doors and they were afraid. And so they weren't the first ones to go. The ladies were the first ones. And, you know, good thing to the ladies. They're a lot braver than what the men were. And they went to the tomb first. Anyway, they, again, you know, thing of the religious leaders that they had faith that Jesus was going to rise again, that they did try to do something about it. They tried to make sure he stayed dead. But even all the attempts of man cannot kill our Jesus because Jesus is greater than all men. And so the Bible says of their story, Luke 24, 9 to 12, so the ladies rushed back from the tomb to tell the 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up, ran to the tomb to look, Stooping down, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again, wondering what had happened. Here the women give their testimony to the disciples. And I'm sure those women by now must be close to hysterics with their excitement and their joy. And maybe they were a little bit hard to understand. And when they come to those men, how sad it is to hear that the disciples themselves thought it was nonsense and disbelief. How terrible, how terrible that the very people that should have known, that should have believed, could not believe. But you know, sometimes in our faith, our faith can be attacked in ways we're not expecting. And sometimes in those times of faith, where your faith kind of crashes, you kind of miss things. You don't see things like you really should, because your faith kind of hit a place that you weren't expecting to happen. And it, and it just kind of, such disappointment overtakes you, discouragement overtakes you, that sometimes you almost like you walk away from the faith. 
But Jesus doesn't want that. And of course, Jesus, wanting to minister to his own disciples, make sure that they know that he is alive. Uh, some of you were probably thinking there as we were reading that story that when the ladies came and they were telling the men that they thought you were speaking a bunch of nonsense and hysteria, you're probably saying, yeah, yeah see, men haven't changed since the Bible days. They you know, talk to them and they still don't hear a word you say and you know they think it's all nonsense until they see it for themselves. So maybe there was part of that back there too, but you know, the whole issue of trauma Trauma is a big issue in life, and trauma happens to all of us, for some people greater than what other people experience, but you will go through times in your life where you will experience trauma. And, and when you do that, you know, that's when it, your faith is going to be made either real to you, or you're going to see that your faith is lacking. And so kind of remember that. Anyways, uh, Apostle Peter, hearing all that, even though they said, oh, you lady, is a bunch of nonsense, foolishness. Something inside and said, we better go check. And we find that Peter and also the apostle John, uh, we learned that in the book of John, they run to the tomb. And, and we uh, see that as they go to the tomb, again, they, they go inside and it's empty. The only thing that's in there is the grave clothes that were lying neatly in the tomb. And the reaction was really the exact same as the women. They were stuck with wonder. Struck with wonder. And they were wondering, what does this all mean? What's really going on? But thankfully, that wasn't the end of the disciples' testimony. Because Jesus, being who he is, wants to make sure that his disciples knew for sure that he is alive. And then listen to verses 13 to 16 of Luke 24. The same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus seven miles from Jerusalem. So the same day as this was happening, as they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them, but God kept them from recognizing him. And you know, as you look at this passage, you see that Jesus goes to great lengths and multiple times to convince his disciples and followers that he is alive. Again, he could have just simply ascended into the heavens, fulfilled what God called him to do, but he wanted to make sure that people realize he is a risen Savior. He is real. And on the Emmaus Road, Jesus, uh, uh, the Bible says, it kept the disciples from recognizing him. And as Jesus listened to them and, and asked them those questions, well, what's really going on? What took place? You can see the disappointment in the Lord's uh, heart as he realizes they're not putting it together. They still don't believe, they still don't recognize that I'm alive, that I've risen from the dead. And yet Jesus is patient and, you know, he continues to walk with them and he goes to their home and as they break bread, suddenly their eyes are open and they realize Jesus is alive. Jesus is here. And the Bible tells us that they immediately went back and rushed back to where the rest of the disciples were to tell them that Jesus is alive. And interesting, as they do so, as they come in there, they find out another testimony. They hear that the apostle Peter has also seen Jesus. And so they're hearing a new report. There's new excitement. They join in with the excitement and begin to tell them about their experience that Jesus walk with them. 
And so they began to wonder, could this really be Jesus in the flesh? Luke 24, 36 to 40. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, Jesus asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. And as he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. Again, you know, it's not the response you're expecting from the disciples. They're they're hearing the story. Jesus is alive. There's an empty tomb. Jesus has been appearing among them. And then suddenly when he appears among them, of course, behind locked doors, they wonder how did he get through a locked door? Jesus comes in and they're frightened. They're filled with doubt. And they're convinced that he's a ghost instead of the real thing. So they weren't really responding the way they should have. But you know, as we look at ourselves, neither do we. Neither do we. We don't always respond the way we should either in our faith. You know, God is doing things in our lives. We, we know that God does this. He does that. And then when he does it, we're kind of like surprised. I'm surprised God did that. What do you mean you're surprised? Doesn't it say in the Bible that he does these things? Then we need to have a greater faith. But again, Jesus is compassionate. He gets past that. He doesn't get offended. He doesn't get mad at them. There's a mild rebuke he gives them, but he's there to reveal himself to them. And that's the wonderful story of Jesus. Jesus wants to reveal himself to all of us. And so Jesus showed them his hands and his feet where the nails had been driven in, and he invited them to touch him to see that, listen, I'm real. You know, I'm not some kind of a vision that you're seeing right now. I'm not some kind of a ghost. And then to further prove that he was real, he sat down and he had a meal with them. And so the atmosphere begins to change from fear to excitement and wonder. And he begins to teach them and commission them to tell the good news, tell the story that he is alive. He's a risen Savior that has come into our world to save all mankind if we'll have and put our faith in him. And so this appearance led the disciples to begin to declare to other people that the Lord had truly been risen from the dead. They had seen him with their own eyes. They've even ate with him. And so they were declaring and testifying, Jesus is alive. And then as you go to the book of John and his gospel, we we see a few more uh, added to that story of visitations where Jesus, you know, appeared to the disciples many times. And I just look at that as the grace of God, that he really, really wanted to make sure that his disciples knew that, look, I'm alive. You know, you're not serving a dead Savior, you're serving a Savior who is alive. Listen to that story as he comes again and visits with the disciples, and, and this time for one person, for Thomas' sake. So eight days later, tells us in John 20, 26, 29, later the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand in the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe my Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. And then Jesus said, you believe because you see me. Blessed are all those 
who believe without seeing me. See, Thomas wanted the same privilege that the other disciples had and making their faith strong. He wanted to see Jesus for himself. For some reason, he wasn't there amongst the 11 uh, when uh, Jesus appeared before. For some reason, he was not there. And so when he heard that Jesus is alive, even he said, I'm not going to believe it until I see it. Well, Jesus is compassionate enough to even wait for the Thomas and the doubting Thomas. You know, and even for us as well, sometimes we doubt, you know, is God real? Is he really out there? I, I really don't know. I'm not really sure. I can tell you something that Jesus likes to manifest himself to us. He likes to make things happen in our lives where we will recognize it's him. It's him. And maybe you're here today. Maybe it's your first time you've ever been here. And <clears throat> maybe you're not really sure about your faith or where your faith should be or shouldn't be. Just wait for on the Lord. Let him speak to you. Let him talk to you. Because he will, he will reveal himself to you. He, he showed us that in this story that he kept appearing again and again and again so that his followers would really know he's a risen Savior. He's alive. And, you know, we see that as Jesus continues to go the extra mile. He goes with Thomas. And then if you read in John chapter 21, you'll see that Jesus kind of goes that extra mile to touch Peter again who had betrayed him. Remember the story of Peter that he denied his Lord three times as Jesus went to the cross. But, you know, even though Jesus appeared to Peter, he saw Peter, he could tell that, you know what, Peter's still struggling in his area of faith. And so Jesus, again, he appears to, uh, appears to the disciples. This time they're out fishing. And, and he calls them in, and he has fish for them. And, and they begin to eat feet uh, fish together, and then Jesus begins to talk to Peter personally. And as he does so, he gives him three opportunities to profess his love and his faith in Jesus Christ that kind of covers the three mistakes that he had made earlier. And that's what Jesus likes to do. See, he recognizes that sometimes we deny our Lord. He recognizes that sometimes we make a mess of our faith, but he'll still keep coming to us, wanting to bring us back to that place where we call him my Savior and my God. And I can tell you, you know, maybe you're here today and you've got some family members that maybe they're not serving the Lord right now, but maybe before they did. I want to tell you something. Jesus doesn't give up on them. And Jesus, I believe, is going to make an appearance to them, uh, whichever way he wants to do that. But I believe that the Lord will reveal himself to them again in a fresh way to bring them back where they can make that fresh confession of faith. So the resurrection story really shows that Jesus goes the extra mile to reveal himself to people. Even though people have made mistakes, even though people maybe didn't have the faith they should have had, he'll go the extra mile to reveal himself. And I believe he'll do the same thing for you and I. He continues to reveal himself to our world. We're hearing all kinds of stories around our world as people are encountering Jesus. Well, Jesus wants to encounter everybody. That includes us too. Welcome those encounters. Welcome the Lord to show himself to you and to minister to you. Now, we could go on talking about the evidence of the resurrection and why this story is a true story. 
You know, it was witnessed by a number of women and a number of disciples beyond the 11 disciples. And the Apostle Paul tells us there was another 500 occasions where people saw Jesus. And then the book of Matthew, there's a little part in there that tells us that when Jesus died on the cross, that many godly women and, and men rose from the dead and went into Jerusalem to testify again of Jesus. And I'm kind of thinking, that must have been quite the thing too, that when Jesus died, graves started to open because he's not just the life, he's also the resurrection and the life. And people began to rise from the dead even back then. We also have the story of the Roman uh, centurion who uh, again proclaimed he must be the son of God. And so there's lots of proclamations. There's lots of evidence, enough evidence for any court of law, you know, to come to the same conclusion. Jesus is alive. Our faith is real. And especially because of scripture, because of history, and because of eyewitnesses. However, there's another reason. Why should we should be able to say that Jesus is alive? And for me, this is the most important. I understand all those other parts. I understand the history. I understand what the Bible says. I, I understand what the eyewitnesses say. And, and all that's kind of important to know. But what really it comes down to for me is that I know him. I know him. There's an old hymn uh, that says, You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. I know that Jesus lives, not because of all the evidence, because I, I know him. I know. I've experienced him. I talk with him. Uh, another uh, old hymn says, uh, he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. He does that. He does that. That's the kind of relationship that I have. I can talk with God. God talks with me and he ministers me. He touches me and he, he does that for anyone. There's no favorites. Whoever wills, whoever would come to him, he wants to reveal himself to us all. And so for me, when I look at all the evidence, I just really come back to him. I don't need it because I already have him. I already have Jesus in my heart and in my life. And friend, if you're here today and you've never welcomed Jesus Christ into your life today, he desires to touch you. He desires to come into your life. He desires to come and have a chat with you and a talk with you. It's not going to be a pressure thing. He's not going to come in and, and condemn you and say how terrible you are or why your faith wasn't at this level or that level. He just wants to come in and start loving on you and be a friend to you. Interesting book of Revelations, Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, look, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Jesus wants to come and visit all of us, all of us. He wants to minister to you. He wants to minister to me. He wants to have talks with us. And he invites us. He says, look, I'm knocking. All you need to do is to say, Jesus, come on in. Jesus, I welcome you into my life today. Come into my life today that I might hear the things I need to hear from you and know for sure that you are God, that you are my Lord, that you are the Savior of the world. So if you hear him knocking, I encourage you, open the door. Welcome him in. Ask him to come into your life. 
Ask him to bring the assurance that you need. If you're struggling in your faith, if you're going through a faith crisis, because sometimes those things happen in our lives as well, we go through a crisis of our faith, you know, go back to the place of what you did before. You start going back to those things. You start calling out to the Lord and say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need a fresh revelation from you. Jesus, I just need you to touch me and begin to speak to me that I might know that I know that I know that you are Lord, that you are God, that you are my Savior. So Jesus, we welcome you into this place. We welcome you, Jesus, into each and every heart that is here today and that is watching us online. Jesus, we welcome you to bless our world with encounters, Lord, with experiences where people will know that you are alive, that you are a risen Savior, that we don't have to be looking amongst the dead for some kind of salvation when we look to the one who has risen from the dead, that is our Lord and is our Savior. So Jesus, we welcome you today to come into our lives today. We ask you to forgive us, Lord, of our sins. We ask you to forgive us, Lord, for our shortcomings. And Lord, just a fresh touch from you. I pray that, Lord, that this Easter Sunday will be a Sunday, Lord, where we'll have fresh and new encounters with you, Jesus. That this would bring us into a new season where we will encounter you more and more and more, where we will talk with you more and more and more, where you will reveal yourself, Lord, to our world more and more. We welcome you, Jesus. We welcome you in this church. We welcome you into every heart and life in this place. We welcome you into our community and our region, our province, our nation. We welcome you, Jesus. You are welcome. Come. Come, Lord Jesus, and reveal yourself. Just as you went that extra mile for all the disciples when you rose from the dead, even though there was fear, even though there was uncertainty, lack of faith, you appeared and you showed and revealed yourself. We ask that you would do the same today. Continue to reveal yourself. Continue to show yourself. Show yourself mighty, God, and begin to minister and move in us in ways we've never seen before. We welcome you, Jesus. We welcome you, Jesus, in our hearts, in our lives, and in this church today. In Jesus' name, amen. 